0: You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is BaptistChurch.com. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Remain standing, take your Bibles, and turn to the Gospel. Well, not the Gospel. Turn to the book of James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll begin at verse 19. And let's give a round of applause to our trusted leader there, Bethany, and our children. Amen. What a blessing. Appreciate so much everything that she does. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. And before we read, let me just, you know, I I titled this message, I think if I can remember, I sent it to John last night, basically, Uh, your heart, your soil. Whose fault is it? You know, we talk about the heart, whether it's fertile, whether it's receptive, or whether it's not. and whose fault is that? So we're looking at that subject today. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, he said, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And all God's people said, Amen. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all what? Get rid of all mortal filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you. Now that's interesting. We're going to talk about that, maybe a little bit the theology of that. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago where Warren Wiersbe made this statement. uh, In fact, I wrote it down here. Self-deception is far more serious than being deceived by Satan. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But he says here, do not listen merely to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says, says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard but doing it he will be blessed in what he does let's pray again lord we thank you and we love you we give you the glory and lord we just praise you and Lord cleanse me forgive me Lord I pray that you'd take my heart and make it what it needs to be Lord for anything that is said or done or come into my ears my eyes Lord that would be displeasing to you Lord cleanse me right now let me be a tool in your hand and Lord we'll give you all the glory and we pray this in the name of Jesus amen amen you can be seated i want to say first of all i want to thank ledge ledge did a tremendous job last week sheila and i were watching on live stream and man we just enjoyed that and i told john and eric i said how did you guys do it And they looked at me real funny because the pictures that he had of his boat up here our system is not that great we're looking at addressing that now our powerpoint and our projection that you saw but on live stream it was beautiful it was crystal clear those pictures and at one point ledge is talking about getting out of the boat and the picture has him silhouetted. He's in the boat. John has this picture of the boat and then in a small square. But Sheila said, how did they do that? It looked as if Ledge was in the boat. And he talked to you last week about, you know, having faith, getting out of the boat. And then Willie, I appreciate so much Willie who stepped in Wednesday night. Allen, Sunday school, Willie, Wednesday night. I thank God for deacons that are able to do that. And that's such a blessing to me. Uh, at, at Barnes and Noble, which I love to go to Barnes and Noble, I love a bookstore. When I was a kid, I loved to li- I loved the library. Uh, I loved to read. and when I was in the fifth grade, I read uh, uh, close to two hundred books. I even got an award for nearly two hundred books in a year. Uh, I was reading dickens work in the sixth and seventh grade i i love to read i'm right now reading several books and it's just it's just who i am uh barnes and noble the general manager there's a friend of mine i knew her back when she was at borders her name is judy and when i go in judy and i our conversation is not about books it's about soil and we talk about gardening and we talk about soil and we'll look at each other and she'll laugh or i'll look at her and say are you getting your soil ready for springtime now i've got raised flower beds i've got raised beds and and so i look at them right now they're covered in weeds they they need a lot of work i've got to get in there pull up all the weeds begin to get that dirt fertile get it ready uh sometimes you can do a ph figure out whether your soil's alkaline or whatever it may be you know you you put your fertilizer in you get your soil ready but listen everybody look this way before you ever drop the first seed Anybody that knows gardening, anybody, Janice, you're back here, because Janice loves her flowers, and anybody who knows anything about gardening, about planting, you know you've got to get the soil ready. Well, that's what James is talking about now look at verse 19 again James says my dear brothers take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires therefore now watch this get rid of all mortal filth that's the weeds and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word what it in you which can do what which can save you and he says receive the word and yet there's a problem there isn't there before you and i can receive the word james says listen there's some, some things you and i've got to do you can't receive the word until you're swift first of all to do what to hear you can't hear unless you get quiet and what Teachers, uh, I'm sitting here looking at Emily. She's smiling already. Because what does a teacher say? You've got how many years? Oh, she's lighting up. She's putting the elementary school teacher face on. She's looking at me going, you've got two years and you've only got one mouth, which means that we listen twice as much as we what? As we talk. So you can't hear the Word of God until, first of all, you and I get quiet, and we're swift to hear. Secondly, we're what? We're slow to speak. You know, we can't, we can't hear until we get quiet, right? I wrote down here, we can't hear if we're talking, right? We learn to be quiet in order that we can learn to be a good listener. You know, in counseling, one of the things that you learn to do is you learn to listen, you learn to listen, and you listen deep. Did you hear that? When you're raising teenagers, you're going to learn to listen, mom and dad. You learn to listen deep. you got to learn to listen under the surface at things they may not be saying clearly, but you better be listening and you better be hearing. Now, thirdly, he says slow to get angry. Now, why would he bring this up? I wrote this down. Why? Because truth can sometimes make us angry, right? Sometimes truth hurts sometimes we'll even protect ourselves from voices of truth you see god's word is truth and as you and i listen and we begin to take the word of god into our life the reality is is that sometimes it's going to hurt now let me go down a side road here i want you to look at verse 21 because there's a lot of theology in this word here. Therefore, in this verse, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word, planted it in you, which can save you. In other words, he says, listen, you and I have to receive the inborn word. He uses a Greek word there, and it's the word uh, emphatos. It's the, I, I think we, get our, we may get our word infant. But it's the picture there of the word being planted in you and I, and we've got to receive it, Dekomai. We've got to receive it. In other words, and, and, and listen, Paul said this in Romans two fourteen and fifteen. In fact, take a uh, take a left and look at that. In in Romans chapter two, Paul said it this way to, about the Gentiles. He said in verse uh, 14 and 15, Romans chapter 2, listen to what he said. He said, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, now watch this, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. In other words, what Paul was saying, listen, everybody listen, Paul was saying to the Gentile who did not have the law, Paul said the law's in your heart. In other words, you've got got an understanding. You've got a conscience of what is right and what is wrong. Is that not correct? Moses talked about it in Deuteronomy 30, chapter 14. When he said the law, listen to what he said. He said, it is very near to you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. There is an enormous amount of theology here. William Barclay said this. He said it is practically equal to our word conscience. If this is its meaning, William Barclay says, James is saying that there is an instructive knowledge of good and evil in the heart of man whose guidance we should at all times obey. Augustine said this, he said, there's a God-sized hole in us. In other words, the Creator put a vacuum, a void, an emptiness, a God-sized hole in you and I that can only be filled when you and I repent of our sin and invite Christ to come in. This is what he's saying. And I wrote down here, the danger is that we sear the conscience as Paul talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 where we don't feel anymore. You see, God gives all of us from the moment we're born inside of us instinctively this conscience that gives us the ability to to discern whether something is right or something is wrong. But what you and I can do, we we can quench that that, that we can sear that conscience, which means that what we do is we seal it off so that we no longer fill it. Have you ever watched a, ever watched a crime show or something on the news and you thought, how could somebody do that? In good conscience? Only to realize they had no conscience at all. There's a danger there. Barclay goes on to say, through his prophets, preachers, and countless witnesses to whom God uses to sow His seed into our hearts, and those who are wise will receive it and welcome it. It may well be, he said, that we are not as we are not required to make a choice between the two meanings. What is he saying? Some say, well, wait a minute. God put in every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been created a conscience an understanding of what is right and what is wrong now the second opinion theologically and some people argue this is this idea it is a the seed the gospel seed is sown in all of us in matthew 13 it's the picture of the seed being thrown to all the humanity we've got as augustine said we've got this god-sized hole in us and you and I are out there listen broadcasting throwing the gospel seed everywhere and you remember in Matthew 13 some of it falls on the path some of it falls in rocky soil some of it falls in weedy soil and some of it falls in good soil our responsibility is not to inspect the soil but to throw the seed right But Barclay said this, whether it's the conscience or whether it is the understanding of what some would call general or natural revelation, the fact is is that what he goes on to say, it may well be that James is implying that the knowledge of the true Word of God comes to us from, listen, from two sources. From the depths of our own being. In other words, our conscience. And from the Spirit of God and the teachings of Christ and human preaching. That's you and I throwing the seed out. From inside, listen to this, and outside come voices that are telling us the right way and to walk in it to listen and obey. Does that make sense? Let me illustrate for Take a left and go over to Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to say what our elementary school teacher says. Put your thinking caps on. In Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 1. You remember this? Jesus will pick up down there. You remember Jesus in verse 3? It said he told them many things in parables. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. Verse seven, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what had been sown. And then watch what Jesus says here. He who has ears, let him hear. Now look at verse 10, the disciples came to him and they said, Master, Teacher, Lord, Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he goes on to explain why. And they're struggling to understand this idea of the parable. Picking up at verse 18. He said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Did you see that? The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word, at once licked this now, receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble and persecution come because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now let me go back to the question we had at the beginning. Because let me tell you what I think we think. And I think this is how we mess our theology up. We blame God for the condition of the soil. We say, God, I'm, I'm that rock, I'm that, I'm that path, I'm beaten down. The enemy, you know what the Jesus said in another passage where he explains it, he said that's the enemy, Satan comes and picks the seed up off the path and flies away with it. Some of us look and say, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just the path, or I'm just the rocky soil, or I'm just that weedy, weed-grown soil. Uh, the reason we think that way is we tend to think our theology is this. God made me the way I am. No, God programmed into every man, woman, boy, and girl. Every baby you see behind that glass when you walk up there has been programmed with a heart that yearns for God. There's a conscience. They know right from wrong. But the reality is, is what can happen is that soil can become hard. It can become like that path. That soil can become rocky, filled with rocks. That soil can become filled with weeds, or it can be a receptive soil that receives and nurtures that implanted word so that it begins to grow. It's powerful. Whose fault is it? The condition of the soil? Everybody do this. It's my fault. James 1 resembles that third. Look what James says in chapter 1 verse 21 Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly look at this. Look at the theology of this. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. That's powerful. Why? Because when you go back and look at that passage, you remember that, that ground that is filled with all of those weeds, that's because of the neglect of the one who's watching over the soil. And let me tell you something, at any point you and I can have weeds in our life. You remember the wheat and the tares? In fact, you don't have time, but later on in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24, you remember Jesus went on to tell another story. He said a farmer planted a field of wheat. And then the farmer went to sleep. He went to bed that night. He was proud. He had got his, he had got his crop all planted. But during the night, you remember what the Bible said, an enemy came and he took Darnell tares. And what that is is a weed that looks exactly like wheat. And the enemy went in because the enemy hated this farmer. And he took and sowed all them tares, all them darnel, all that wheat looking like weed. He sowed it all over that farm. And you know what happened one day? The servants came in and said, Master, you're not going to believe this, but the enemy has infiltrated our field and he has compromised our crop and we need to go out there and pull it up. And you know what Jesus said? Do not pull it up. Let them grow up together until they bear fruit. God's not called you to be the inspector. He's just simply called you to throw the seed out there. In order for these raised beds that I have to, to begin to produce, I've got to go out there and I've got to re- work that soil. I've got to clean out those weeds, all of that stuff that's grown because I've neglected it. I can see it from my I can see it from my living room. It's calling my name and it's saying to me, You're gonna have to come out here and you're gonna have to clean this up before you put the first squash seed, first plant it, first uh tomato plant before you put anything into this soil and that's powerful in verse 21, verse, uh, the first part of that verse, he said, listen, you and I have got to get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is prevalent, it's prevalent, it's everywhere, and humbly accept the word that is planted in us. That's that rocky weed-covered soil that we have to get our hands dirty, get down in it, and get some of that stuff out because we need to get rid of it in order for the gospel seed to grow. Let me tell you, I think that's the key to salvation. And I think that's the key even after salvation in the process of sanctification. In fact, I wrote this down. Listen to this. The believer in their entire life will continue to weed the garden. Right? In other words, they'll put filters on their phone, on their TV, on their lives. They'll bring other people in to make them accountable. There'll be times that they'll look at somebody and say, you know, this is in my life. i got to get rid of it. It's a weed. It's, it's pulling the nutrients. It's choking out the seed, and I don't like it. I wrote this down. It's a good principle. A Christian monitors the soil of his or her heart. Why? Because Satan... And friends and family and programs and music and authority figures are all walking around with a bag of seed. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. You're sowing the gospel seed. Your enemy is sowing weed seed everywhere. And if you're not careful, you'll allow him to come into your life and begin to fill your soil with seed that will begin to affect and choke out the ability of you and I to be able to... In order for you and I to be able to produce fruit. Right? Paul and what's the key here? It goes back to hearing. It goes all the way back to hearing. this idea of hearing. Paul in Romans 10:17, says faith comes from hearing. In fact, what's so important? I want you to take your Bibles, take a left and look at Ephesians chapter one, because this is critical. I had a Greek professor eating, uh, eating this past week on vacation with a Greek professor who spent his life in Greek, teaching Greek in, our, in one of our schools. He looked at me at one point and he said, how can you go through RTS, have studied under R.C. Sproul, and not be a Calvinist? I looked at him immediately and I said, because biblically it did not hold up. R.C. Sproul, I have his book "Chosen by God," written by a brilliant man. I love when he when he died. I wept, I cried. But in his book "Chosen by God," it's dog-eared, triple dog-eared pages turned down, notes and everything else, because I just couldn't come to the conclusion that God predestined some for heaven and some for hell. And even when I look at this passage right here in Ephesians chapter in Ephesians chapter in chapter one, watch what Paul says here. In Ephesians chapter one, and let me catch up in verse verse eleven. Watch this. Paul said in, in him, and he uses the word positionally in Christ thirty, I think thirty-two times in the book of Ephesians, in him we were also chosen. Notice, notice our chosenness is because we are in him. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also, now watch this, and you also were, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and you also were included in Christ when you what? When you heard. He uses the Greek word there, akouo, when you heard. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Paul said again in Romans ten seventeen, you and I, faith comes from hearing. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, when you heard, that's the critical key and James says, listen, you've got to be slow to speak and quick to listen in order to be saved and I think in order to experience the process of sanctification. Over and over again. Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. Turn over there. Very end of your Bible. Look at, look at, look at the very end of it. In, Ephes- in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Watch this as God's closing out the Word, as He's closing the canonization of His Scripture. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, it said, The Spirit and the Bride say what? Come. come. And let him who what? Hears, Hears say what? Come. come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. All the way through the Bible, the Bible talks about listening, hearing. And you and I need to learn to listen. We need to be quick to listen, swift to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry when we don't like something we're listening to. I wrote this down. Some hearts are like the beaten path. Why too many? Listen to this because I think it can happen to a believer too. Some hearts are like the beaten path. Too many people have been allowed to trample on, walk over, and through your heart, Do not expose, I wrote this down, do not expose your heart and your faith and your mind to some voices. Don't allow some people to come into your life. There are some things on social media that I don't even go down, I don't look at. The reality is is that I am in a battle with this right here to walk with Christ and my friend, this is a tool of the enemy. That Greek professor was sitting there. We got to talking about the LGBTQ movement. I said, it is not genetic. It has nothing to do with how God wired a person. I said, the number one contributor in the LGBTQ movement movement right now is 14-year-old girls, and the influence is that right there. It is a social, cultural problem in this country. And I've told you before, when I was in Africa and Zimbabwe and traveling over the continent of Africa, this is how many people I saw living the gay lifestyle. Absolutely none. If it's a genetic problem, it would be programmed in every culture around the world. But... Listen, he says, you, our hearts get hardened. We, we have to constantly protect. I, hey, listen, I not only have those raised beds, I not only get them ready, but when I put that seed down in the ground, I put those tomato plants and those squash plants, and I start getting it all ready, the next thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to protect it. I put a fence around it. I do something to ensure that nothing will invade it or walk into it. I love my dog, but God forbid that my dog should walk through my garden. I love my grandkids. Get out of my garden! And my friend, you may think that's funny and I don't blame you, but that's how you and I are about our hearts. And let me tell you, parent, your responsibility is to ensure that not, nobody else is trampling all over the heart of your child. You have a responsibility in those formative years, those developmental years, to step up to the forefront and say, we're not going to watch that, we're not going to listen to that, and know that's not your friend anymore. Why? Because we protect the soil. Because it's the most precious thing that we have. How do we do that? James in one twenty one says we go pluck up. In 1 John 1, 1.9, you know what John says? Let me tell you. He says, you and I confess your sins. Confess my sins. Homo legal. The idea, I'm going to say what God says about my sin. God, I'm letting these things, they're slipping into my soil. They're slipping into my heart. And they're beginning to gain a, a root. They're, they're, they're creating. Hey, you say, well, wait a minute. A Christian, can they have a root? What did the writer of Hebrews say about a root of bitterness? Pick cross, sticky anger. You and I get angry, we don't we the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You get angry, you clam up, you shut down, you carry it through the night, and the next day it turns into a root of bitterness. And guess what the Bible says? That root of bitterness will go down in your heart, and it will the Bible said it'll defile many. Some of you need to get mad. You need to be angry. You need to look at somebody and say, What you said hurt me. It was wrong. But I forgive you. And I'm not going to carry this anymore. And I'm going to let go of it because I don't want to be bitter. I'm too busy protecting the soil of my heart. You get around a bitter person, you can tell it. I wrote down a principle here habitual, unconfessed sin will harden your heart, and you'll be as hard as a path. James says, You and I've got to be eager to listen. What does that mean? Humble, meek, teachable spirit. Imagine before every time you open the Bible in the morning, listen, you took time to say, God, I want to be receptive. I want the soil of my heart. I want to spend a moment reflecting. God, I want to confess to you. God, there's some things in my life that I don't like about me that I've been doing here lately. God, last night or yesterday or last week, God, I confessed to you that was not right. God, forgive me. God, make my heart receptive to what you're saying. How many of us pray before we ever open a Bible? Let me ask you something. How many of you prayed before you came in here? How many of you prayed right now and said, you know, Lord, let me. if you've got something you want me to hear today through my pastor, then God, let it be. You see, it's protecting your heart and your faith. And let me close in a moment from those who would tear your faith down. There's some people they want, and just wait a minute, praise team, you don't have to leave yet i'll give you plenty of time but you have to understand this there are people in your life that the enemy strategically bl- 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 brings into your life in order to attack the soil of your heart your responsibility your responsibility is god I, i'm I, hey as a man thinketh in his heart so is he that word cardia, that word, uh, the, the word we get, our word for cardiologist, cardia in the Greek, that word also means not only heart, it means inner self. I'm protecting my heart. And when something comes into my heart that I know is wrong and God convicts me of it, then let me tell you, I'm going to confess Say, God that was wrong. I don't want that in my heart. God, help me to forgive that person, to let go of that anger. God, help me to let go of that addictive tendency toward that sin, that sin which does so easily beset me. God, hey, listen, you know what Jesus said when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus said, okay, let me tell you what not to do. And then he went on to say, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is the model prayer. And do you know what he was saying about lost humanity? Even you and I as believers in Christ, he was saying every day, constantly, you'll probably be asking for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. When you don't forgive people, a root of bitterness goes down in your heart and it'll affect your spirit, everything about you. Nobody wants to be around you. It's the truth. You protect your heart. Well, what about some of those evil voices that come along? Hey, listen. Sometimes you may be able to take on some of those people. Quote the academia, the academic world. God's not called you to straighten out everybody. Apolog, apologia, apologetics, this idea of defending the faith. Some of you in this room, even me, some of us in this room are not capable of some of the arguments. Leave the arguments to those people. If I wanted somebody to argue about meteorology and talk about meteorological and weather patterns and all of this, I'm going to look at a professor at JSU. I'm going to say, Lauren, you come speak about that. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what a high pressure, low pressure, no pressure. I don't even know what it means. Bill Mounts, who wrote one of the best studies, best books, textbooks on Greek. I wrote this down. Bill Mounts, the author of perhaps the greatest a Greek grammar textbook and a Greek scholar on Bart Ehrman who is a renowned biblical scholar at the University of North Carolina who has walked away from his faith and is a formidable foe as an atheist Bill mounts almost laughed while he put this man who walked away from the faith and is now an atheist while he put him in his place Bart Ehrman John Lennox who's the foremost mathematician brilliant man at oxford university cambridge at oxford he's a professor emeritus in the field of mathematics he's written unbelievable books richard dawkins who is an atheist who wrote the god delusion a bestseller and a book dif- uh, basically written by an atheist was sitting from here to where that maybe not even where that first row is right there John Lennox, in a 12-minute presentation of the gospel, this brilliant Ph.D. mathematician, was laughing at this atheist and making fun of him. And he wasn't doing it in a rude way. He was just basically saying this, your views on, a, on the Creator God are silly. And he was speaking as a, as a mathematician. C.S. Lewis, Bell made this statement one time. She said in the African American community, she said, I think sometimes the African American community looks at Christianity if it's not the white man's religion, which I don't understand that. It didn't come from the white man. That never made sense to me. The early church was in North Africa. But it She went on to make this statement. She said, but I think some see it as folklore. You know what C.S. Lewis, the foremost authority, Oxford University, Ph.D., written more books about folklore? He said, one thing I can tell you for certain, this is not folklore. It doesn't fit in no way the definition of folklore. You don't give the geographical, genetic, you don't give the ancestral, you don't do all that when you're talking about folklore. He said, it's not folklore. Learn to protect your heart. Don't read anything or anything that may tear away at your heart. And when you're struggling with something and you don't understand, go to the people that can handle it a lot better than you. Alexander the Great, when he conquered the world, was asked the question, how did you do it? Two words. Without wavering was his answer. Without wavering. I was reading this book here. It's a senator by the name of Frank Carlson. Carlson, Frank Carlson of Kansas. This book is written, you can tell it's a worn out book. Um, but he stood, he stood at a prayer breakfast and he spoke on the subject, listen to this, wanted a man, a man who will stand. And it said that he went on in that in that meeting to describe the kind of man that the world was looking for now this is men or women he said the world today is looking for men who are not for sale men who are honest sound from center to circumference true to their heart's core men with conscience as steady as a needle on to the pole, men who will stand for the right if heaven totters and earth reels, men who can tell the truth and look the world right in the eye, men who neither brag nor run, men who neither flag nor flinch, men who can have courage without shouting it, men in whom the courage of everlasting life Runs still and deep and strong. Men who know their message and tell it. Men who know their place and fill it. Men who know their business and attend it. Men who will not lie, shirk, or dodge. Men who are not too lazy to work nor too proud to be poor. Men who are willing to eat what they've earned and wear what they've paid for. God is looking for men and women. But I can tell you this much, you and I will never be what God wants us to be until we begin to protect this. Because as a man thinketh in this, as a man or woman thinketh in this, what's going in here, going on in here, will affect our entire life. An Ice Hockey Hall of Famer made this statement. He said, We all have one past, but many futures. Your future is in your hands and I agree. Your future and my future is based on the choices that we make. For people who are saved, they are usually all, and let me tell you, their hearts are fertile for the gospel seed. They've tried everything. They've gone down many roads. They found that God-sized hole in their heart. They find that they've tried to fill it with other things, and nothing works. And finally, in desperation, that heart's receptive and ready for that soil. I meant ready for that seed. And when you broadcast that gospel seed and it hits that heart, they respond. And that may be you today. And maybe you today. You you sit here right now and you say, you know, Christ is is speaking to me right now. He's talking to my heart. I feel that seed trying to permeate into the into my ground. Let me tell you something. God has an unbelievable chisel plow. And you ever go up in the Delta and you look at some of my dear friends like the Boykins up here, Craig and Sandy Boykin. Craig can put you on a he can put you on a tractor that'll pull this building over. four-wheel drive, dual wheels front and back, and enough power it could, I believe it could pull this building out there to Raymond Road. And you put a chisel plow behind that tractor and no soil can stop it. Some people just need the chisel of God's love, God's mercy, God's grace to break down deep and all of a sudden break that soil up so that it'll receive the seed. And some of you are that voice of truth in those people's lives, living it out. Let's pray, let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you and Lord, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, we thank you that Lord, that, that whether it be the conscience, whether it be that general natural revelation, or whether it be, dear Lord, something deeper, that God-sized soul, that hole that Augustine said that is in all men, all women, all boys, all girls. May we see that, that emptiness, may we see it as a place for the seed of the gospel. And Lord, I pray today, if there's a man or a woman, boy or girl, who's never been saved, uh, they've never given their heart and their life to You. And Lord, Your Word has begun to chisel away at that old path that's been beaten down, walked over by a lot of negative voices. They may look at that old rocky soil and realize, I've got to get rid of some of this stuff. I've I've got to clean the soil out. And Lord, I know that that grace and mercy is the very character of the good seed of the Gospel. We don't have to do anything just as I am. But I do know this, that the heart, if we're not careful, can become hard and cold. Sometimes, God, we have to do what we can do to break it up, protect it, and make it receptive, not only to the Gospel, but to teachings like today. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that they look at their heart and they say, you know, my heart's not in very good shape right now. I've allowed, I've allowed unforgiveness. I've allowed bitterness to creep into my heart and it's, it's made me hard. I'm a hard person to live with now. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm like a dog backed in a corner. I'm wounded and I'm angry and mad and everybody knows it. For some in this room, that may be that they look at their heart and they say, you know, I've allowed some sin to come into my life. There's some things that I'm doing that nobody knows. And I haven't confessed in a long time. I haven't done business with God. And my heart's become hardened by habitual, unconfessed sin. God, I want to do business with You. Forgive me. And there may be others in this room They. They're like cardiolo- spiritual cardiologists right now. They're looking at their heart, saying my heart's not where it needs to be. I've lost my love for the lost people. I forgot that you've called me to broadcast that gospel seed. God, forgive me. God, help me not to be a soul inspector. Help me not to think, well, they're not going to listen anyway. Because we never know what God may be doing in that heart. So Lord, may decisions be made that will bring you honor and glory.